breath. Uh, breath is a fascinating thing. Uh, we breathe uh, reflexively. We don't really think about it. Um, what's, what's weird about it is that when you start thinking about breathing, then you might think, Whew, can, I, can I catch my breath? Um, or think about holding your breath. You know, holding your breath is really the only way you can stop breathing if you're breathing normally. And uh, we, we breathe a lot. Um, we are regular in our breathing to breathe, um, inhale, exhale, repeat, as he said. Uh, to breathe means that we're alive, that we're functioning. Uh, you know, we only have a certain number of breaths during our life. Um, Jesus, for example, I did some little calculations. Uh, Jesus, for example, will live for 33 years on the earth. So, uh, I don't, you know, we don't know exactly how long. He might have been 33 and a half. You know, we don't really know how old he was for sure. But he took around 280 million breaths on the earth. Uh, now, if we live a long life, um, you know, maybe 80, 90 years, we could be right under a billion breaths. Uh, maybe eight or nine hundred million. I mean, that is a lot of breathing. Um, uh, the amount of air that we breathe in a lifetime, if you think about oxygen, would weigh about 300 tons. So, well, so we need oxygen. We need oxygen to survive. We need oxygen to breathe. We breathe in oxygen. We breathe out carbon dioxide. We breathe in. We breathe out. Uh, we inhale. We exhale. Uh, we talked in the beginning of this series about uh, ways that we express breath, like catching my breath or bad breath. We don't want that, but um, uh, breath of fresh air or out of breath or breathtaking or to the last breath or don't waste my breath. Don't uh, think, of, think about the breath of life holding your breath or with bated breath or breathe new life into something, all kind of ways that we use breathe. You take my breath away uh, or gasp for, for breath. So we think about breath. Breath in the original, uh, three different words in the Bible that are used. Uh, neshema is Hebrew for soul, spirit, or breath. Uh, so all of those words could be translated there. Ruach is a, a little stronger word, wind or breath or spirit, really connected to the power of. So the first word is sort of used like a like a gentle breath or a gentle breeze or maybe a normal. Ruach is like a blast of breath. Uh, so I, I don't know exactly where that gets used in there, but I thought that was so interesting that you would have this, this blast of breath. And then in the New Testament, the Greek word is pneuma. Uh, again, spirit, wind, and breath. So you can get the spirit of what the Bible is trying to connect to when it talks about breathing. It's all related to God's breath of life in us. We talked about breath in the scripture. Uh, we looked at Genesis 2-7. The Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Uh, Job talked about it. The spirit of God has made me. The breath of the almighty gives me life. Uh, Job also said, as long as I have life within me, the breath of God is in my nostrils. We just sang about Ezekiel 37. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you, you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. 
Timothy talks about that Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, and correcting, and training in righteousness. Psalm 150 verse 6 says, Let everything that has breath, that'd be you. You're sitting up breathing fine, I think. Let everything that has breath, praise the Lord. It doesn't say let everyone that has breath. Let everything that has breath, all of creation, breath. We, we looked at how Jesus, Luke 23, says Jesus breathed his last. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. One other scripture. This is the one we focus on today. John chapter 20, verses 19 to 22. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. We see that Jesus breathed his last on the cross for the sins of the world. Then when, when he burst forth from the grave with resurrection power, he breathed new life onto his, his disciples. Jesus breathed on them. The Bible says he breathed the Holy Spirit on them. Literally, the resurrected Son of God breathed on them, the Spirit of Christ into them. I mean, what happened? What happened between the last breath of the crucifixion and the first breath of the resurrection? I mean, on the cross, Jesus tells us, the reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and take it up. This command I received from my Father. He's telling us, reminding us that he, as he is breathing his last, that he did it of his own accord. Jesus gave up his spirit, his breath, his life to the Father on the cross. And the Father gave it back to him, even better than it was. He has this resurrected body, and it correlates to that he dies in body but is resurrected. Uh, he could be felt. He could be touched. He ate. He walked. He had recognizable scars and marks on his resurrected body. I mean, you see, this resurrected body was made alive that God gave Jesus new breath. You know, isn't it interesting that anything you give to God always comes back better? He gave up his breath, and God gave him resurrected breath, new life breath. If you go back and you think about Adam, Adam was basically like a, you know, a sandcastle, right? He's just laying on the ground there, made out of the dust of the ground, and God breathes into his nostrils. All life comes from God. I mean, what, what did Adam do? Adam, though he got blown the life of God into him, he blew it, didn't he? He blew it. And we've basically been paying for that ever since in this broken world that we live in. Jesus, though, is the, the last Adam. And 
took all of our wrongdoings, all of our the wages of sin, the Bible says, which is death, took it all upon him. He paid the price. He gave his life, the totality of his breath. He gave it all up for you. No one took it. He gave it. He gave it to the Father. He poured himself out in humiliation and pain and suffering for our sin on the cross, and God gave him life even better. And that's what he does for us. He gives us new life. So in The first Adam, he is made alive by the breath of God. And the last Adam comes and breathes on us, his spirit, and makes us alive in him. That's that's this picture of creation, that you have the, the beginning of creation through Adam, and now you have the Savior's resurrection giving himself for us. This scene in John 20, it's incredible. Think about what has happened. These disciples, they followed him. They dropped everything and left, and they followed him. We see them uh, walking with him. We see they are wondering if this is the one that they've been waiting on for so long. Is this the Messiah? Could it be? Could it be possible? And they began to be with him. And there were miracles that were done that were incredible. And there was teaching. And they watched him deal with the people. And they noticed that he was God-like. He was like the Son of God. He is the Son of God. But instead of ending up in victory, they killed him. They killed him. They put him on a cross. They nailed him to a cross. They beat him. They spit upon him. And he did nothing about it. He just died. Friday, he's buried. Saturday, silent, grieving, fearful, filled with doubt. doubt. Sunday morning. Are you, you, you come into this room with me, right? Sunday morning, the women come running. It's just before this passage. They come and say, the, the tomb is empty. They, they've taken him. We, we don't know where he is. All they know is he's gone. We, we see those scenes running back and forth. And now it's Sunday night. Sunday night, the first day. Notice it said, on the evening of that first day of the week. So it's Sunday night and you're, you're gathered. The disciples are gathered there. Um, we, we figure it's, it's basically the ten. We learn that Thomas was not with them. And we learn that Judas has taken his life. So of the 12, there's only those 10, and they are gathered. And the scripture tells us that they are locked away in this room for fear. Fear that the Jewish leader, what are they afraid of? Well, they think if they got him, they're going to get us. Uh, if they killed him, they're probably going to kill us. They're trying to, uh, to get rid of everything about uh, Jesus. And here you are, fearful and uncertain, sad and grieving and broken. You have no idea what is going on. You ever, you ever feel like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not an unusual experience, is it? When you have fear, uncertainty, sadness, confusion, what, what's going to be happening? What's the need here? What are we going to do about this situation? So there you are. There they are in the room. And the scripture says, Jesus came. Jesus came. Jesus always comes. Jesus showed up. And he stood among them. 
You know, he wasn't standing above them. He wasn't standing uh, off to the side. He, he, he stood among them. He's right in the middle of them. And he says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. After that, says he, he, uh, he showed them the evidence. I'm sure they couldn't believe what they were seeing. Take a look. See the wounds. Look at, look at my side. He showed them. And the scripture says the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. They were overjoyed with him. He had taken all these breaths walking among them. Now he was alive again. He says, peace be with you a second time. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. They weren't lacking in oxygen. It's an incredible moment, don't you think? Have you spent much time thinking about this passage right here? I mean, this passage has just ripped me up. This whole series was about this moment right here. I um, spent, spent a lot of time thinking about this over the past few months, and so I've been studying a lot of stuff, and it's really interesting to me how sometimes people that are really smart and I'm not saying I'm any smarter than them, but people that write these books and all this stuff. And I start studying this passage, and I, the biggest question is that Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit there. And they say, oh, no, no, that can't be, because that happened at Pentecost. You know, that's, that's 50 days away. Um, tells them the wait and way. And so, um, but I just want to tell you, what happened in this moment is absolutely incredible. Um, You'll catch it as I go along here. But I was thinking about, uh, you know, he, he comes to them. You know, these guys were a mess, weren't they? They were a mess. They couldn't get it. They couldn't figure it out. What happened when Jesus was arrested? They're all gone. They, you know, John's hanging around just trying to, uh, trying to take care of Mary. And all, but they, they have no idea what's going on. You know what? Jesus is resurrected from the dead, and he's getting ready to go back to heaven in just 40 days, and he knows if these guys don't get it together, what in the world is going to happen to what the plan? You know, he had a plan, right? He was going to transform the world through, through these guys that were right there. And so he, he breathes on them. I mean, something so significant happened when he breathes on them. I mean, you think about, I, I try to think about what would have happened at Pentecost. You remember what happened at Pentecost? I mean, the wind blew and the fire and the spirit came down. Anybody remember what Peter did when he was there? He preached, right? He preached and 3,000 people got saved on one day. I wonder what the other guys were doing. I'm sure that they were... Uh, they were leading people to Christ. They were teaching them about the, don't you, don't you see that? I mean, you just see all these people that were gathered around because there were that 120 uh, that were there. So what would have happened at Pentecost if these guys hadn't got breathed on? Because they would have had no idea what's going on, right? I mean, you think 3,000 people would have got saved on the, I don't think so. I think God is trying to get them from their mess to a place where they are so transformed by what Christ has done for them. I mean, it's never the same after this right here. 
It's never the same, uh, what he did for them. You know, that's what Christ does for us. He takes us in our mess, in our confusion, in all of our struggles, and he wants to breathe on us, to breathe new life into your situation. Now, notice, notice what happened. Notice the change that happened to these guys right here in this passage. Um, Notice what took place when they got close to Jesus, when he is uh, bringing him to a place of of breathing on them. Uh, I gave you some ideas here. Number one, when we are close to Jesus, he changes fear and doubt, changes fear and doubt into transformative belief. Transformative belief belief. Now, the key word here is peace. So he knows they're afraid. He knows that they're full of doubt. He knows that they have no good idea of what's going on. Like I said, they're a mess, and he knows it. And so he comes to them, and he changes their fear and doubt into transformative belief. Now, let me unpack this a little bit. He comes to us to bring peace. He brings peace that overshadows and overcomes fear and doubt. You know, when, when, when God comes to us, you know, many times you have to remember that his blessings to us can be physical and spiritual. They're both. You know, he cares about your fears. He cares about what's happening in your heart. He cares about the physical things that are happening to you. We have that, don't we? I mean, we, have, we get scared, we get stressed out. I mean, everybody's been talking about my stress level or whatever, you know. Everybody deals with all that, uh, those things that happen to us. There are physical ramifications of, of the need that we have for Jesus to touch us, right? But it's also a, a spiritual wholeness that he wants to bring to us. So he changes fear and doubt to this transformative belief. So what's he talking about here? I mean, he recognizes that you can not only be struggling physically, but you can be struggling spiritually. I mean, if we were to talk about maybe your dreams or what you hope to happen in your life, things that you're hoping for, um, do you realize that God has dreams for you? God has plans for you just like he had for these disciples. God has a dream for our life, and he wants us to get in a position to where what he does in us, the new life that he brings in us, allows us to know him in such a way that we can accomplish and be the men and women that he wants us to be. It is like, you know, that he created you with this hole in your heart. Not physically a hole in your heart, but you have this empty place that God says that he put eternity inside of every man and woman. So anybody that's been born on this planet has a, a sense of God, a sense of eternity placed in their heart. Well, what does that mean? That means that God has left a God-sized hole in your heart. God has left a God-sized hole, and that we try to fill that up, people try to fill that up with everything except God. We try to fill it up with, to fill up that emptiness. I mean, you've had that, haven't you? That things are going along fine in your life, or maybe you're a Christian, but you just know there's this sense of emptiness still in your life. I mean, what you're feeling is emptiness that God put there. He put it there for a reason. He put a hole in your heart. Now, here's the problem. The problem is we don't really reach out to him and receive him as fully as he desires for us. We reach out to everything else. We try to fill that with everything else, uh, but you still feel empty. 
So what is God speaking to us about here? He wants us to have this, this yearning, this desire to know him, this breath that is in him. So he takes our fears and our doubt, and he creates transformative belief. Now you say, what in the world are you using that? I never heard. Why don't you just say belief? Because all belief is not the same. Right? Haven't, haven't you noticed that sometimes you'll notice that you know, somebody might say, well, I believe in such and such. But you ever met somebody that you knew really believed it? I mean, you felt some passion, and you know they meant that. I mean, you know, we could say, you know, I, I, know, I know they love each other. Uh, ben and Amanda love each other. But if you hang around them, you can, you can really tell. I mean, they, the way they talk to each other. Uh, you know, can't you tell the difference between somebody that believes and somebody that really believes? Uh, the, dip, the transforming work there. So these disciples, we would say they believed, right? But they didn't believe at, at like a transformative level. That's what's happening. This breathing is going to happen to them. There's, some of you look like you don't believe me. Um, let me see. Um, I'm thinking about believing enough that creates transformation. Believing to the extent that it would bring really transformation of the whole world. Uh, most of you, probably maybe almost all of you in this room, probably would say, I believe in Jesus, right? My heart is stirred. He's the Savior. He's Lord. He's Master. He's the Forgiver. I believe. Um, and yet, I notice that we still have such strong struggles going on in our life. Now, I'm not saying that when you become a Christian, everything becomes fine, but I'm saying that we believe that he's able to do it. He's able to heal. He's able to deal with these situations that I'm dealing with. I know I hear you tell other people, oh, he can do it. He can accomplish it. But sometimes we don't believe it for ourselves. The, the difference in that passionate belief for myself over against what I might believe for somebody else. Or my, um, all right. Um, you know, this heart attack deal. Now, I'm not going to talk about it every Sunday, but I can't help it still. Um, this heart attack thing was like, I mean, somebody said right away, well, that's quite a wake-up call. Sure, it is. It certainly is. But I'm laying in the hospital, and, man, he's been brutal. I mean, brutal. So I'm, you know, all y'all trying to be nice or whatever, but the Spirit of God is like, here are the facts, buddy. Fact, the main fact was, this wasn't the first wake-up call. About four years ago, uh, I had a doctor say, you're like a pre-diabetic. And I went, okay, I'm going to figure out what that means. Uh, I talked to people. I did research. I studied. I figured it out. I came up with this meal plan. Y'all got, you remember this? I lost the weight. I mean, I got serious about it. Man, I, I, I took it to heart. And I lost some weight, and I got my blood sugar completely under control, and the doctor said, well, I guess you don't have it. You're off the medicine. You're good to go. Yes, I did. <laughs> so I did okay for a little while. And then I, then I, I got arrogant. I, didn't, I wasn't paying attention. I didn't really listen long term. I believed, listen, I believed that's how I should take care of myself. That's what I should do. But was I living out that belief? Mm -mm. 
Because if I had done that, I wouldn't have been in this situation I was in on July the 1st. Right? I believe that. I brought it on myself because I wasn't paying attention because I didn't take care of myself right and I had to do something about it. Was it a knowledge problem? Not a chance. Man, I knew what I should be doing. I knew I should be exercising. I knew I needed to be eating right. I knew I needed to be doing that. Listen, if you get convicted, that's on you. I'm not trying to, I'm just telling you. But what I'm telling you is there's a difference between believing it and really believing it. There's a difference between knowing something kind of in your head, and you can tell other people, and, and oh, you know, people would say, oh, yeah, you know, oh, I know that. I, yeah, I, I, st- I know about all that kind of stuff, but am, am I being uh, really submissive to the belief that I have? See, I'm telling you there's a difference between just I believe and transformative belief. I want to tell you something. I know it's only been 27 days but I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm in transformative belief. <laughs> the same thing has happened. My blood sugar is like really good. Already happening. I, I know how my body responds to things like that. But it's no good if I quit doing it again. If I don't keep taking care of myself. If I put myself right back in that same situation. Now you understand what I'm talking about? Because you know it. Uh, you know there's a big difference between what you know in your head and what you allow to happen in your heart. So the way I'm applying that is to these disciples, they knew him, they had been with him, but they hadn't been transformed by him the way that was going to make the powerful difference that he desired in them. That's what happens to us. I know just about everybody in here believes in Jesus, but you have not been breathed on to receive the kind of healing, the kind of empowerment, the kind of new life that he desires for you. You all right? You with me? That's, that's what this passage is about, is reminding us that he takes us from our fear and doubt and he leads us into a place of transformative belief. Peace be with you. Whatever it is that you're struggling with, I have peace for you. I got a dream for your life. I don't intend for you to stay in this spot. And whether it's loss or grieving or hurt or whatever it might be, he wants you to know that he wants to breathe his spirit on you in new and fresh ways. I see it all over the scripture. Notice Isaiah 41.10 says, Do not fear, I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Second Timothy, I know whom I have believed and am convinced. See, that's transformative belief right there. I have not only believed, but I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted him until that day. John 20. But this is the verse right after this section. Right at the end of John. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, transformative believing, passionate believing, allowing that belief to infect, by believing you may have life in his name. Do not let your hearts be troubled, he says. You believe in God, believe also in me. So you see... When, when they got close to Jesus, the transformative work that happened in them. Number two, 
we see that when they got close to Jesus, there were changes from sadness and confusion into gladness and genuine joy. It's so interesting how the joy happens, isn't it? They, they still don't quite know what in the world is happening. Jesus has walked into, uh, it tells us they even just walked through the wall uh, in another set, section in the gospel. And here they are, they're in this room, and, they're, and he says, peace be with you. And it says he showed them. Here's the evidence. I want, I want you to know without a doubt that I, I am who I said I was. I am the resurrected Christ. I'm not the same old guy that I was before. I have sacrificed and given my breath to God, and now he's given new power. I mean, they noticed there was something different about him. There was something uh, powerful. He's resurrected. He's still got all the markings, and they show. he shows them the, the hands. He shows them the side. He gives them the evidence that he is, and they are overjoyed. They are overjoyed. The scripture says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power uh, of the Spirit. Uh, that's what Jesus came to do. I mean, there are a lot of things that break your heart, that cause you sadness and, and confusion. You know, whether it's some loss that you've had in your life, just like they felt like they had, they had lost uh, the Savior that they loved, uh, the disappointments that come, the hurts that we have. They can all bring about uh, hurt and uh, struggle to, uh, to all of us. But when we get close to Christ, you know, we learn that we don't have to be defined by our struggles and our problems because I don't want to be defined by what other people say or what other people have to say about me. Uh, he's recognized recognizing that he came to give them uh, a new sense of joy. Their hearts had been broken. They were confused. They were filled with sadness, and he turned it into gladness and genuine joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. How do you deal with sadness and brokenheartedness and hurt that comes to us? Close to Jesus. Close to Jesus. Not just, not, not just something I believe out there, but I'm struggling to, to reach out to him, to experience uh, the empowerment, the transformation uh, that he has uh, in mind for us, recognizing this, this work that he wants to accomplish in us. And thirdly, he changes this from drifting with no purpose. They had no idea where they were going into a, men that were filled with purpose and commissioning. The commissioning is in those words, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. I think what strikes me about this, this whole picture is the sense of intimacy, isn't it? Don't you feel like this is such an intimate moment? I mean, you say, oh, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall. Well, we are. <laughs> We're seeing exactly what happened there. The, the word intimate is not used in this passage, but I'm telling you, it is. Now, I can only do this illustration over here, so I better. Um, you know, we, um, we're pretty close. Um, you know, if, if, um, if, if I was going to get close to Denise, I might, I might hug her. Um, but breathing on somebody is really intimate, isn't it? I mean, he's not just standing over them, praying for them. He's not even just reaching out his hand and praying for them. That'd be all right. 
he, he's breathing on them. I mean, you know, she and I can talk here, but if, if we're going to breathe on each other, I mean, it's really intimate. It's really close. And you don't do that with just everybody. Oh, I mean, we might hug each other, but, you know, our head's over here. And, you know, <laughs> so intimate. If this passage is so important, that's what he wants for you. He wants that intimate, close. He wants to breathe on you. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Not just I'm breathing on you. Because these people that were writing were saying, oh, it's just symbolic. It really doesn't mean anything. But only. He got right up in their face. And he breathed his spirit on them. And everything changed. Their fear, their doubt, their sadness, their confusion, their lostness, their purposelessness, everything changed. That's what happened. That's what he desires for you. He longs to breathe on you. Could your prayer be, Jesus, um, breathe on me. Breathe on me. I don't know what you need him to do, but I'd like you to... uh, Let's make this room that room. We're in this room. You know, Jesus is here. He tells us that his presence is here. I felt him already, didn't you? We're singing. I felt his presence here. And and he wants uh, to breathe on you. What difference would it make for you? Maybe you've been struggling with some things that you've been holding on to for a while. I know you believe in him. But would you experience that transforming belief that, that would heal you of that stuff you've been carrying? You know, could he heal you physically right now? I have no doubt that he could do that. But I know that some of the emotional things that maybe you've been carrying, some of the questions that you've had in your heart, some of the things that have held you back from him, he breathes on you. And if you open your heart to him, he will heal you. In this room right now, you say, well, i got to go to the counselor. I know I believe in counseling. That's all a good thing. But I know that he can heal us if we allow us to get so close to him and his breath on us. I've got some words here. I'm going to teach you this little song. Breathe on me. Breath of God, love and life that makes me free. Breathe on me, breath of God, fan the flame with
take me to that place where you are and breathe on me. He didn't ask them if they wanted it. He just knew that's, that's what they needed. If there's going to be this transformation, if I'm going to get out of this spot, this mess that I'm in, and going to be this person that's healed, that is, that is the person that God wants me to be, his breath. Not oxygen, but spiritual breath. Sing this. Breathe on me. Jesus, what a moment. Lord, we, we know us. We know us well. We know that there are things that we really believe about you. Ways that you have worked in our lives. Ways that you have 
uh, helped us and encouraged us. Yet we know all of, all of our faults, all of our weaknesses, all of our losses, all of those things that just weigh us down. Lord, this morning, take us to the sanctuary. Take us to that room. Lord, I believe that this this infilling of your spirit is your breath on us. Lord, help us to believe so passionately to not just know that you are able to help somebody else, but you're able to change and transform us. Lord, I pray this morning that you would heal, heal the heart of some that have been broken and hurting and they've been carrying that weight and they, 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 they need to be set free. May today be the day. Breathe on us. May your breath in us begin to change our thinking, begin to change the way that we look at ourselves, the way that we define ourselves, the dreams that we have. May we have such an awareness that you are the healer. Lord, there are people in this room right now that love you, that know you, that believe in you, and yet they have situations and things in their life that have not been healed and not been covered because they've held back. Help us to experience transformative belief that you have the power to heal us, to change us, that maybe today is the day I gave it over to you. I surrendered it. Lord, it doesn't do any good just to know it in the past. I got to live it out now. I pray that not only that would be true for us physically, but spiritually. Jesus, breathe on us. Your breath, your spirit. Thank you. Thank you for what you did today in this sanctuary. Jesus. Breathe on me. Amen.